Good morning. How are we doing? Happy New Year. Good to have you with us on this first Sunday in January. It's hard to believe it's 2024. Somebody was talking about the Cowboys and the, the Commanders winning their last Super Bowls. I was like, dude, you know that was like 30 years ago when they were actually good teams. But anyway, we won't talk about the game today because I know Cowboys are going to trounce uh, the Commanders. But um, good things are ahead for the Commanders, I know. Hey, before we get into my message time, let me just kind of do a quick little recap at the end of the year because yeah, I think we ended out the year in just an amazing way last year. Uh, first, we had our Christmas Eve services. Uh, we had three of those services here at The Journey. Uh, you guys were awesome. We were like, hey, we don't expect very many people in the middle service. And you are like, sure, we're all just coming to the middle service then. And there was like over 300 people packed into this space. But uh, the whole day was fun. Uh, we had our largest Christmas Eve services ever here. We had 789 people. Uh, yeah, that was an awesome time. We, we had celebrated together. Thank you for coming. If you were here, thanks for inviting people to come. I met so many people like, hey, we got invited. Uh, and then another thing I would say, thank you to our volunteers. Some of you were here for a really, really long day, and thank you for serving and making that happen. Uh, the other thing that I, I want to say is that we ask you to give to our Christmas offering. Uh, we told you that that was going to our new accessible playground that we're going to be putting in here in the next few months on our property. And uh, we're like, hey, your Christmas offering, give over and beyond. Let's see where we can end up. And so we ended up uh, at the end of the year with $46,000 in that to get us started towards this project. Uh, so we're excited for that. We got more information that's going to be coming up and other ways that you can support this financially and what that's going to look like. But that'll be happening here in, uh, by the end of January, too. So be ready for that. And then last week, we didn't meet on a regular basis. If you showed up here and you were expecting church in the way you were doing it here, you were like, wow, this is different. Um, we had eight locations for our church at home, and we had 91 people who jumped into these different locations and celebrate and worship together all over the area, and so we're glad that we were able to do that and heard that they went really, really well. But, uh, but just kind of a, a recap of what happened at the end of the year, and it was just uh, the end of, of really an amazing year for us, and we're going to put out some information here in the next few weeks that will give you more details, but really, really excited for what 2024 holds. For us here at The Journey, and I hope you are too. Well, as we, we start today, I actually want to take us back a little bit further. I want to take us back to May 2014. Admiral William McRaven was given the commencement address at his alma mater, the University of Texas in Austin, and in this address, he was sharing with the people that were there that day the 10 life lessons that he learned from his time in the Navy SEALs. And so, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but a couple years ago, or a year and a half or so ago, a clip of that speech went viral on social media. And the clip that went viral was the very first lesson he said he learned. And the lesson he learned was this. He said, if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. I don't know about you, but I'd expect something a little bit more meaty from a Navy SEAL, right? But why was this something that resonated with so many people? Well, McRaven actually, or Admiral McRaven actually took that, that idea and those lessons from that day, and he wrote a book called Make Your Bed. And in that book, he, he goes into some more details about why he felt like that was such an important thing to do to start your day. He talked about how every morning as a Navy SEAL, he would have to wake up and make his bed. And I know you got a lot of military background here, and you probably experienced the exact same thing. But, but he knew his first job was to make sure that his bed was made perfectly. 
that, that his bed was made to the expectations of the training officer because he knew at some point the training officer is going to come in and check everything about the way he made his bed. And for him, he was waiting for this one thing. He was waiting for this nod of approval because he knew if he got that nod of approval from the training officer, he knew this one thing. He knew he had accomplished one thing to start his day. And no matter what else happened, the rest of the day for him, he knew that one thing had been done. And because that one thing had been done, he could go about his day and know that he was doing something good. Well, in his book, Make Your Bed, he kind of describes why this was so important to him. He says this. He says, my first task of the day and doing it right was important. It demonstrated my discipline. And at the end of the day, it would be a reminder that I had done something well, something to be proud of, no matter how small the task. Here we are in 2024. My guess is that many of us have been thinking about our future. We've been thinking about what this year is going to look like for us. We've been setting these big dreams and big goals and big ideas. And we have these really big plans. And, uh, and there's something about us here in America when we have these big ideas and big plans in front of us, we like to go big, right? Go big or go home. We like to move into stuff as quick as we can. For, for example, maybe your big goal this year is to get in shape. And so what did you do this week? Five days this week for about two hours a day, you were at the gym with everybody else in the metro D.C. area. And so you can barely walk today, right? You can barely lift your arm. And then you said, okay, well, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to make sure I eat healthy. And so every meal this week, you've had baked, unseasoned chicken breast with a little side of spinach leaves. And this has been the food that you've been eating all week because you know what? I'm going to reach this goal. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose this weight. And wait, today you're ready to quit because the gyms are packed and you can't eat that same food all the time. You, you got to have some other substance in your life, right? But this is how we act. This is what we do instead of thinking, how do I make this happen in small ways? What would happen if you and I begin to focus on the small things in our lives. And so over the next few weeks in this series, we're going to talk about some small things that, that we can do that have the power to change us, to transform us, and I truly believe to help us become better followers of Jesus. And so as we start this series today called Do Small Things, I want to go back to Admiral McRaven's book, Make Your Bed, because when that, that clip started popping up on my social media feed, I, I listened to it and I thought, maybe there's something about this. And so you know what I did? I started making my bed every morning. Like if Kara wasn't going to do it or didn't do it for some reason, usually she has a good reason not to, but um, I'm like, I'm going to make sure that every single day I am doing everything I can to make sure I make our bed. Well, I do this over a period of time, and uh, one day, Kara walks in, sees me doing it. She's like, hey, I've noticed you've been making the bed. Are you okay? <laughs> I said, yes, honey, I'm training to be a Navy SEAL, right? So <laughs> there's a purpose behind it. But you know, the reality is this has become a habit for me. Like so much so that, that I can't leave the house if our bed's not made. And if it's not made and there's a reason, that's okay. But, but I will make sure that our bed is made before I head into the day. Why? Well, it goes back to what Admiral McRaven said. So I know that I accomplished one thing no matter what happens throughout the day. 
But that's how habits work in our life. In his book, The Power of Habit, journalist and author Charles Duhigg talks about how habits are formed in us, and he, he describes this thing called a habit loop. Let me kind of give you an example of what a habit loop would look like for us. Uh, let's talk about brushing our teeth. I bet every single person in this space today, you brushed your teeth this morning. Now, here's the deal. You probably don't even remember brushing your teeth. Why? Because it is so routine for us. It, it, it's such a habit. You're sitting there in your seats and you're rubbing your tongue across the front of your teeth, right? You're like, yeah, I think I brushed my teeth. They don't feel all knobby and stuff when I don't brush my teeth. So yeah, I, I think I brushed my teeth. But we brush our teeth and it becomes such a routine for us. It becomes such a habit. We don't even realize that we do it. And so he walks through this habit loop and he says, here's how these things become routines for us. And so again, I, I'm going to use this, this example of brushing our teeth. There's a cue that happens. There's this trigger point for us that reminds us, hey, it's time for me to brush my teeth. Now, I don't know what that cue is for you. Uh, maybe it's when you go into the bathroom in the morning. Maybe it's turning on the shower. Uh, maybe you eat breakfast, and as soon as you eat breakfast, you go right there. Uh, maybe you smell your own breath, and you're like, woo, I got to go brush my teeth. But there's some trigger that sends us to go and brush our teeth. But then once this trigger hits, once this cue hits, there's the routine we go through. Now, I, I was thinking about this. I bet, you know, there was 225 people in this room right now. I bet there's 225 different ways and routines that we go through to brush our teeth. Like, do you grow, grab the tube first? Do you, do you grab the toothbrush first? Do you use your left hand or your, your right hand? Are, are you a wet dr uh, brusher? Are you a dry brusher? And, you know, how you expel the stuff in your mouth and how do you finish up and rinse? I mean, we all have these different habits, these different routines when it comes to brushing our teeth. But that routine is there. And even though we don't think about it, it happens every single day, and I bet you don't sway too much from the routine that you have. So there's this cue that leads to this routine, and then there's the reward. And what's the reward when you brush your teeth every single day? You got cleaner breath. You've got whiter teeth. You have less issues at the dentist. And maybe if you're really lucky, you can even get a kiss out of it as your day begins. But all of us have this habit loop when it comes to brushing our teeth. The reality is we have habits all throughout our life. And, and many of them are, are good habits like that. And some of them, hey, guess what? We got bad habits. And you know what happens with bad habits? We go through that all same habit loop. There's a cue and there's a routine and then there's a reward. And that reward's usually not a good reward for us. But that habit loop just keeps going around and around and around in our lives. But this is also true when it comes to our spiritual life. Like, we, we don't just have habits for our physical life or, or our, our mental life. We have spiritual habits, too. Or, maybe I should say it this way, we should have spiritual habits that are important to us. Things that we do on a regular basis. Things that let us know that we are moving in the right direction. Things that come with a trigger and a, and a routine and a reward. And, and at the end of the day, when we do these habits over and over again, we can know that we have accomplished something in our life. But what's really happened is that you and I have been changed or transformed. As we start this new year, there's all kinds of spiritual habits we could talk about. There's a long list. And um, as we begin the new year, one of the reasons we hired Joel to be on staff with us was to focus on spiritual formation. And so 
He's actually doing that with a small team. And as we go throughout the year, we've got a few things that we're going to roll out to you about this. But this morning, I, I really want to talk about this one spiritual habit that I believe is so important for us to start this year. And here's what it is. It's spending time reading the Bible daily. And some of you are like, wow, I was really expecting something a little bit more earth shattering than that. Like, that's not really any different than, than make your bed. But actually, it's very similar to making your bed. If you want to change your world, if you want to be changed, one of the best things you can do to start your day is to spend time in Scripture. But I know some of you hear that and you are groaning right now inside. Uh, others of you are starting to tune out because if you, you think about this, you, you think, but, but scriptures, it's just boring. Like you got all these weird people and these weird places and I can't pronounce the names and I can't pronounce the places and such a different culture doesn't even speak to me today. So it's kind of boring to read scripture or, or maybe somebody else, it feels time consuming. For others of you, maybe it feels like this heavy burden or just feels like this obligation. Like, if I don't do this, God's going to smite me dead for not reading. And so you kind of got that mindset when it comes to, to reading the Bible. Or, or maybe for you, it's like, well, that's great, but where do I begin? Somebody said Leviticus, and I tried Leviticus, and it talked about you shouldn't eat oysters, and you can't have tattoos, so I guess I'm over with because I love oysters and I got tattoos, right? What am I supposed to do, and where, where do I even begin to read? Or... You're around people who can quote, quote Scripture to you. Just, you can just throw out a, a verse and a chapter, and man, they can just quote it to you over and over again. They quote it to you like you quote Monty Python and the Holy Grail to them, right? But then you look at their lives, and you're like, well, hold up. You're actually not any different than the people I know who don't even go to church. And so we think about that, and we're like, well, well maybe... Maybe taking time to read Scripture isn't really doing anything to change people. Well, I think this is why we struggle so much with taking time to read Scripture on a consistent basis, that we don't fully grasp the power behind it. And we've already got some of these preconceived ideas that, that kind of keep us from it. That's why I love what theologian and author Robert Mulholland Jr. says in his book, Invitation to a Journey, he, uh, he shares a big reason that he thinks so many people struggle with reading Bible on a consistent basis. He says this, he says, we have been trained to be informational readers, not spiritual readers. We have been trained to be informational readers, not spiritual readers. Here's what he's saying. He said, we have been trained just to gather information. That the reason we're supposed to read the Bible is just so we can have all of this knowledge, so we can just have all of this information. And in fact, he says, because we do that, what we've really done is we've already set the agenda for our expectations of what the Bible is going to say to us. And so for us, maybe we say, hey, I got this problem, I got this, this issue, and I need a solution. So what do we do? We go and read the Bible. And why do we read the Bible? We go read the Bible because we need to figure out how to fix this problem. And so all we are are these information gathers. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying reading the Bible and gathering information and having more knowledge about it is a bad thing, okay? What, what, what I'm saying is that it can become the only thing for us. And as we see what Mulholland says here, we have to remember reading Scripture is the spiritual endeavor. And so when we read it, we have to read it with an open heart, an open mind, with our souls ready to engage 
what God has to say to us, which means we have to be prepared to listen to what God is saying as we, as we read through it, where God is leading, how God is changing us. But like I said, I'm not sure that's how most of us read the Bible. I think most of us who do read Scripture, we read it pretty much like the religious leaders in Jesus' day. There's a story in John chapter 5. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. It's a Jewish holiday, and he comes into town there. And as he's coming into town, it's a Sabbath day. Uh, he, goes, he walks by one of the pools that are there, and there's a, there's a man who hasn't been able to walk for 38 years. It's lying there by the pool. What does Jesus do? Jesus goes over and does what Jesus does. Jesus heals this guy. He heals him. Religious leaders, they, they see this, they hear about this, and they go to Jesus like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm healing this guy. I mean, he need to be healed, and I did it. And they're like, you can't work on the Sabbath, right? There, there's this rule here that says no healing people on the Sabbath. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure where that rule came from because I'm pretty sure there weren't many healers back in those days besides Jesus, right? But they had this rule, you can't work, and that's work, and so you can't heal this guy. And Jesus is like, well, no, this is, this is okay. I think you're kind of messing up here on, on the keep the Sabbath day holy thing. And so what happens with well, these religious leaders decide we got to get rid of this guy. We, we need to kill him. We need to get rid of him. He's messing with our people. He's messing with our livelihood. He's messing with our work and our rules. Well, in the midst of this, Jesus is explaining why he did this and who he is. But there's these two verses, verses 39 and 40 in John chapter 5. They're kind of obscure, but my favorite verses in the conversations Jesus has with the religious leaders. Here's what he says. He says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. You know what Jesus is telling these religious leaders? He says, here's the deal. You read scripture because you're just trying to gather information. You read scripture because you're just trying to be more knowledgeable about what's in there. You read scripture because you have this agenda already set, and now you're trying to figure out how do I make this agenda fit me as I'm reading what's here in God's word. Jesus tells them, like, hey, you're missing something. He said, this isn't about gathering more information and setting your own agenda and trying to find those answers to your agenda through scripture. He's like, the scripture's about me. It's like everything that you read, everything you know, it is pointing to me. It is all about who I am and who God has made me to be here on this earth. It's all about me. And you know what? Basically, he says, you got your noses so far up in this, the scripture that you're missing out on me. And many times, if we do find that we are connected to scripture and we're reading scripture, what we find is we're just trying to gather more information for our own agenda, and we're not reading it to see, again, who Christ is and to see who God is in our lives. And I think that's why it's so important that we spend time reading the Bible on a daily basis. Again, hear me out. Information's not bad, but do we read it as a spiritual endeavor in our lives? Because the reason we want to spend time in Scripture is so we can be changed. The reason we want to spend time in Scripture is so we can be transformed. The reason we want to spend time in Scripture is so we can be better followers of Jesus. And maybe some of you are thinking as you, you hear that, I mean, how does the Bible really change 
Well, there was a, a study that was done not too long ago, and I shared a little bit of this uh, in a message last year. Over the course of eight years, these researchers followed 100,000 people, self-professed Christians, and, and they wanted to see how their engagement with the Bible, if it actually had any effect on them at all. And in their research, here's what they found. They said this. They said the single most powerful predictor of spiritual growth and life transformation is in people who read the Bible four or more time or more days per week. Like, what is it about being consistent and reading the Bible that changes and transforms us? Well, well let's kind of start with the issue here, right? I, I love what Paul says in Romans. He's uh, writing this letter to this church in Rome, to these Christians in Rome. And, and as he does this, he says this in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Look at verse 18. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Like, I think this is our life, right? There are these things that we know that are the right things to do, but what do we do? We end up doing the wrong things. There are things in our life that we know are good to do, but what do we often do too many times? We do things that we hate. We keep on struggling with the same things over and over and over again, just like Paul talks about here. What, what do we find? We have found that we're in this habit loop, right? That there are these habits that we have built over time, and whether it's sin or our struggles or problems in, in our life, that it just continues over and over and over again. And the things we know we should do, we don't do because we, we're so stuck in this loop in, in our life. We go back to the research. They asked these 100,000 people, hey, share with us some of your temptations. Share with us some of your struggles. And here's uh, a part of that list. They said fear, anxiety, lying, addiction, thinking unkind things about people. Discouragement, loneliness, gossip, bitterness, greed, anger. Feeling like you can't please God. Feeling like you can't please others. Now, there were even more pieces to this list here, but, but I think about that list, and I'm like, those are the habit loops that so many of us, we struggle with, and we find ourselves a part of every single day. And so how do we break that? How do we break these habits that we have? How do we break those loops? And how do, we, how do we build new and healthier habit loops in our life, especially when it comes to who we are spiritually? Well, I could definitely say showing up on Sundays is a great piece to that. Uh, being a part of a small group definitely has an influence over us. Prayer is so important. But you kind of put all of these things together, and they're, they're interconnected to each other. But in their research, and I know some of you, you're like, I don't know about this Bible thing, but I'm scientific-minded, right? I love data. Here's some science for you. Here's some data. What they found was reading the Bible four or more times per week was the most effective way to experience life change and life transformation. Let me give you some of those data points from what they their research gave them. Here's what they found. They found the odds of giving into these temptations decreased by this much if you're someone who reads the Bible four more times per week. Drinking to excess, down 62%. Viewing pornography, down 59%. Sex outside of marriage, down 59%. Eating 
gambling down 45%, lashing out in anger down 31%, neglecting family down 26%, mishandling money down 20%. And there are a few others that, that they had in here too that, that I'm not mentioning, but I don't know, but I, I'm guessing for some of us, these are habit loops that we find ourselves that aren't good habit loops, right? And yet what they found is that people that spend four more times per week reading the Bible, not to gather information, but for, to listen to what God has to say to them, that amazing things happen in their life. Those temptations tend to go down. But I think there's this other piece to it, too, that, that we don't experience peace and joy in our life when, when we don't experience Scripture. Because that's what they found. They found that if you spend time reading Scripture four more times per week, it brings peace and joy. Look at some of these changes. Again, these are... Um, these are the, the, the areas that people struggle with that, that decrease. Bitterness down 40%. There's probably a good way to start your year right there, right? Because there's probably a few of us that are, that are bitter. Uh, thinking destructively about yourself or others down 32%. Difficulty in forgiving others down 31%. Experiencing loneliness down 30%. Experiencing fear or anxiety down 14%. Like I look at this dad and I think to myself, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I want for myself too. Like that, that's what I want to experience. And, and you know what the truth is? I have some of those temptations, and I have some of these struggles with peace and joy, but what I find is that when I spend time consistently in Scripture, that those temptations and that peace and joy, like they, the temptations, they, they really do subside, and I begin to find that full peace and joy that comes through knowing Jesus. And I know for some of you, you have experienced that, or you are experiencing that same thing in your life today, that we are changed and transformed. That's why I, I love what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, and pleasing, and perfect. Like this is the person that we become when we spend this time connecting with Scripture, when we spend this time connecting with God's Word, when we make this a habit in our life. We are a transformed person. We become different. We become new. We become who God has created us to be. The key is we've got to make this the spiritual practice, this the spiritual habit in our life. And then we can experience that change and transformation. And so as we begin this brand new year, I'm going to give us some challenges to start the year that I hope will get us to this, this place where we can experience that change and transformation in our lives, okay? So let me share it with you. I got two challenges and I got a, a 2A challenge, all right? So here's challenge number one. Challenge number one, every morning this week, make your bed. You're like, well, hey, what does this have to do with the spiritual stuff? Uh, it doesn't have anything, really. Um, some of you make your bed every day, and that's wonderful. And some of you don't. Look, I promise, it's been life-changing. And I feel like I'm doing something important. I feel like I'm training like a Navy SEAL when I make sure our bed is made every single day. Just spend a few moments as your day begins to make your best. Start tomorrow through next Sunday. We're going to do a test, see who all does it, all right? And let's see where we are. But there's something, I tell you, 
there's something about knowing I accomplished one thing before my day begins. Like, I, I accomplished one thing no matter what happens throughout the rest of my day. And so that's my first challenge to you. If you don't make your bed every single morning, I'm going to challenge you to do that. Make your bed every morning this week. Here's challenge number two, back to what we've been talking about. Read the Bible at least four times per week. At least. And I tell you that because that's what the data says. That's what the research says that we just talked about, right? If you are someone who spends four plus days a week reading Scripture, you will be changed. Now, question is, how do you do that? Well, let me just kind of go back to that habit loop, and let's see if we can work out a plan here. Here's the first thing is to have a cue. Like, what's that cue for you? That there's something that when you see it, that, um, that, that just reminds you, hey, right now is the time that I'm supposed to spend a little time with God reading Scripture, right? It's kind of like brushing your teeth. There's that cue. There's that trigger that happens. I, I don't know what that is for you. Uh, maybe you set an alarm on your phone. Uh, maybe you have a push notification from your calendar. Maybe you have a push notification from uh, the Bible app. That's a great app. If you don't have it, uh, you can read the Bible through there. But maybe it's a push notification from there at a certain time. Uh, maybe for you, you're, you're old school. You like the paper and all that kind of stuff. So maybe you have a Bible that's just sitting right there at your, at your nightstand. And as soon as you wake up, man, you, you hit that phone alarm and you look there you're like, hey, I've got this. I'm going to sit down and, and read it. Wherever you kind of fall in, in that, there needs to be this cue that says it's important for me to spend some time right now reading Scripture. And so you've got this cue. Well, the next piece of this is to have a routine. Now, what is your routine? Well, find a place. Maybe there's a place in, in your house that you love to, to read Scripture. Maybe it's, it's why you take the metro into in work. Um, uh, maybe there's a place out on your porch or in the community you live in. There's just this place that you go to. And, and make this a part of your routine. Make, make this a special moment for you. And put it on your, your calendar because you know the, the time and, and the place that this is going to happen. But then you've got to have a plan, right? Like, what am I supposed to read? Where do I begin? Again, I started in Leviticus one time. And I got through like two chapters and I was done. Here's what I usually tell people. There are three books that I highly recommend in Scripture that I think are very powerful for us. The first one is this, James. That's always my, my go-to point. If you want to start reading the Bible, start in James. And, um, and then after that, I'd say John is probably my second favorite for people to read. And then the third one would be Genesis because that's the beginning of everything, right? John describes Jesus' life and especially towards the end of his life. And then Genesis is kind of that beginning point. Um, but here's how you do this, because here's, here's what we tend to do. We will hear this today, and we're like, oh, I'm going to read the whole Bible this year. I can do it. I, I'm going to do it. And, and you probably can't. Let's just be honest. You can't, because you will give up at some point. It'll just be too much. I mean, reading four chapters every single day, even for me, like, that sounds like a lot. And for many people, that's a lot. So where do you begin? You start small. And so maybe you want go to one of those, those books, and you just read a chapter a day. Or maybe you even make it a little bit smaller. You, you look at a section a day. Or here's another idea, the book of Proverbs. You, you know what the book of Proverbs is? It's a book of Proverbs, right? And every single verse, guess what it is? It's a proverb. Maybe for you, your starting point is to read one proverb a day. I think all of us can do at least that one thing. But maybe for us, that's our starting point. And you know what we do? We have this place and we have this time and we have this plan, and there's this cue that hits, and then there's this routine that we go into. And oh, by the way, let me add this too. When you sit down to read Scripture, do start it out with a prayer. 
you know what? It doesn't have to be deep with a lot of theological words in it. It can be this. It can be, hey, God, I'm going to read this today. Teach me what you want to teach me. I'm going to have an open heart. I have no agenda in this. I got this thing or this other thing going on in my life, this issue, this problem, but I'm not looking for answers here. You know what I'm looking for? I'm just looking for you to speak to me as I read. And then, and then you just take the time to read it. Build this routine into your life. This habit begins, and then there's a reward. And what's that reward? Well, it's just what we talked about. It's that life change. It's that new person that we become. It's the transformation that takes place deep inside of us, and we become a, a different person. We become, I honestly believe this, we become a better person because we're allowing God to speak through us, through the Bible. And we begin this habit, and we start this loop, and we just keep living it out every single day. And at some point, you get to this place like, I cannot go through my day without spending a few moments reading Scripture. That's challenge number two for us, is to begin to read Scripture at least four times a week. But then I'm going to add a 2A to this, because um, talking about this, um, thinking about this past year, 2023, I invited uh, you to jump in back in January. Uh, I was going to read through the New Testament chronological order, and so Invited you to jump in to be a part of that. We had about 44 people who signed up for that. And uh, I think a, a lot made it through. Maybe a few didn't. Totally fine. If that was you, don't worry about it. Keep reading. Finish it up. But um, we're trying to figure out what do we do for this next year. And so as we were thinking through this, we're like, okay, we're going to start out talking about doing small things and the importance of small things and how just small things can make a big difference. And um, there's a guy named Mark Moore. Mark was a professor of New Testament at uh, Ozark Christian College for about 20-some years. And then right now he's an author and he's a teaching pastor at a church out in Arizona. And, uh, and so he wrote a, a, a Bible study called Core 52. Uh, it is 52 weeks, right? Which makes total sense. 52 weeks. And here's what I love about this. It each week just focuses on one verse of the Bible. But through that one verse, here's what he does. He walks us through the whole Bible in the course of one year. Now, here's the deal. You want to know the reason he wrote this book? He realizes that most people have a very low Bible IQ. And so this book actually walks us through understanding better Scripture. It tells us the story of God. It tells us the story of Jesus through these 52 weeks. And so let me just kind of give you an example of what each week looks like. The first week, um, which uh, quite a few of us are starting out this week, it's uh, creation, right? And you probably guess what the first verse is for this week. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's Genesis 1-1. And so what he does is every, at the end of every chapter, he has something called this week. And uh, day one, there's an essay that goes along. All this is less than 15 minutes, by the way. Five days a week, less than 15 minutes. You read the essay. What's the essay connected to? The essay is connected to the verse for that week. Again, for this week, Genesis 1-1. Day two, you actually memorize Genesis 1-1. That doesn't sound too hard, right? But each week, you're working to memorize what that verse is for that week. Day three, you read about that verse in context. So for this particular one, it's, you're going to read Genesis 1 and 2. Day four, there's other passages he pulls. He's like, hey, read these, meditate on these. They're connected back to the passage you're reading. And then day five is the action step. Here's some things you can do. Here's some action steps you, you can take in your life based on what you've read. And so we're going to invite you to jump in and to be a part of this with us. Um, as you leave today, you probably saw it. There was a table out in the lobby and 
Joel and Robin are out there. And um, you can sign up and register to be a part of this, this group. Here's the deal. We're putting this group together, not because we're going to check in on you all the time, not because we're getting together. you got to do this on your own. But we want to be able to send out encouragement. Or even say, hey, the, you know, this question came up. You know, what do you guys think uh, about this? And so we're opening this up as an opportunity for us to grow together as we, we begin to understand e- even more what the Bible is all about. And so we're going to invite you to do that when you leave today. Uh, we are charging 10 bucks a book. We're just covering the cost of the book. Uh, I think we gave half of them away at first service. I expect the rest to go away today. Uh, you can go on Amazon and you can order these. There's also, if you got young kids, there's a family edition, which we highly recommend. And there's a student edition too, if you have students that you like to do this. And so we're inviting you to be a part of this challenge too. But if you've got something else you want to do, you got a devotional that you love, there's a book of the Bible you want to look at, hey, go and do that. But it's so important we make it a habit to spend time in God's Word on a consistent basis. In the end, when we do that, and again, the data shows this, you and I will be changed. And we will be transformed into the people God has created us to be. And I don't know about you, but I would love see in my life and in your life God will use that as we head to this new year by doing this small thing